0: Come from. Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? It came from outer
1: space to fill the world with terror. What earthly power can stop this terror? That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop the from outer space.
0: Here we
2: go. rolling and welcome back to the podcast from Outer Space. It's your boy Rob Scott. We got the Korean Cowboy aka Billy the Kid in the studio. What's going on gentlemen and world? And as always it's Ryan Scott.
0: Greetings far and wide wherever you may be.
2: And this is episode 122 where we will be discovering, oh not discovering, we will be discussing Stonehenge.
0: Yes, how the fuck are we doing? Um, This has actually been requested quite a few times since we started the pod way back when. Uh, So I figure, you know, what the hell, might as well take a crack at it now. Um, As Rob said, we are getting into the mysterious prehistoric monument known as Stonehenge. Uh, So, you know, it's history time, boys. Um, Although, you know, I guess it is fair to say that, like, Most of our episodes at this point, I think, are kind of history-based, you know? I mean, how do you guys pitch the podcast to people, like, when you explain it to them?
1: I just tell them it's... We talk about things that are unknown, you know, from paranormal to conspiracy theories to cryptids, but I do feel like we're kind of delving more so into the scientific and historical side of, you know, the episodes, at least of late, but... Yeah, we're kind of all over the place, which I think is cool.
2: I usually just tell people that, um, obviously, being called the podcast from outer space, it's mostly like sci-fi based, whether that's UFOs or sci-fi movies, but we also dive into some paranormal stuff, some conspiracy theories here and there, and... You know, if you're into any of that stuff, we pretty much got all your bases covered.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel I feel like it's kind of developed into more of like a uh like a fringe history or like history of weird <laughs> is kind of how I describe it. Like uh you know those all those like weird state books, like Weird Virginia, Weird North Carolina, Weird California, like shit like that? Kind of like one of yeah. those. Like a podcast form of one of those books, I feel like. Um, But, you know, this one is more, I guess, like world history type shit. Uh, You know, especially because the subject of today's episode is so goddamn old. Um, You know, this one's got everything from myths and religious history to pure speculation, as well as archaeology, anthropology, cultural studies, that type of shit. Because, you know, it's really through like archaeology and I guess that type of work that historians even attempt to decipher what the fuck is up with Stonehenge. And I think that is a question that has basically um yet to be determined or even answered. I mean, you know, I think these archaeologists have a pretty good idea of what the place was or, or how it was it was made. But uh I, I really don't think anyone is a hundred percent sure um you know, I mean, I mean, let's right up top. Like, do you guys what do you guys know about Stonehenge? Um, And if so, like, well, you know, what do we go- do? You know anything? Uh, what do we got? Ha- and have you ever been?
1: Yeah, man. Um, Well, I've actually never been to the UK, um, but this would absolutely be one of the first places I'd visit on my bucket list. I really want to eventually make it out to London, see Buckingham Palace and of course Stonehenge. Um. Yeah, and the, the little I've learned about Stonehenge, I mean, I, I know that it was a, a very, very old structure built by an ancient civilization. And I also know that there is a lot of, like you said, unknowns in regards to what purpose it was actually built for. Um, and also, I know that it was a technical achievement for the time. Um, like, how in the hell could an ancient civilization have the means to lift these rocks that weigh multiple tons doesn't make a lot of sense, Uh, you know, even in today's standards, from what I understand, even with our technology, it would be tough to build the pyramids or, you know, lift one of these crazy 40 ton rocks to build Stonehenge. So um, and of course, like many other topics we discuss, there's many conspiracy theories and we'll definitely get into that stuff. Um, because what would a po- a podcast from outer space episode be without a dabble into the unknown? Am I right?
0: Well, yeah, obviously. Like these ancient <laughs> peoples were so stupid that aliens. There's no other explanation but aliens.
2: Am I right? All right, chill out, ancient alien. <laughs> I mean,
0: <laughs> I mean, the ancient astronaut theorists surmise that the gods were space creatures that came down to lift these stones. Am I right?
2: All right. I mean, (laughs) obvious man. Come on. All right, Rob, what do we got? Uh, So I actually have been to the UK a couple times, but unfortunately have not had the opportunity to visit this ancient relic, but I am familiar with the site, obviously, you know, doing what we do here at the podcast from outer space. Um, I kind of, I'm under the impression that it was maybe used for ancient celebrations, rituals, or even funerals in ancient times, and um, that even the stones themselves came from as far away as the northern tip of current-day Scotland. But much like the difficulty in understanding the Great Pyramids of Egypt, I know that there's definitely some conspiracies floating around out there. But you know, as you say, we will get that to that later in the episode.
0: Okay. Yes. Yes, I will. Okay. So looks like I am the only one who has made the pilgrimage to the the great sacred land. Uh, There is a picture of me there, a young uh, strapping young lad there. I will uh, put this on the Instagram. Uh, You know, I looked all around for a t-shirt that says I got stoned at Stonehenge. Couldn't find (laughs) it.
2: It doesn't exist. So we should just make one for the podcast. Did you though?
0: Yeah, I did not get stoned there, but I definitely oh. wanted the t shirt. I mean, that's a great pun, dude. Is that a pun? Yeah. Punny. Or a uh, okay. Um, I mean, I'm saying, like, I even looked on Google. I couldn't find this t shirt. Um, uh, I am wearing my Stonehenge t shirt today, though. Um Love it. Now, yeah, for now for me, Stonehenge, I feel like was always, you know, I grew up hearing about it, obviously being into history and shit. Like and it was one of those kind of 101 mystery type places like think like bigfoot is to cryptids or jfk is to conspiracy theories uh you know i feel like most people know stonehenge as just like a weird mystery type ancient place uh actually like you were saying rob kind of similar to the pyramids uh you know from early on i always heard I heard about it, and obviously the most prominent theories. It was it's a burial site. It's some type of calendar, um, and you know I do got to say after going there, not that big. It's
1: not that big, huh?
0: Not that big. I will say also, you know, as you can see from the photo, they don't let you go as close as you once could. I think when uh, Hal went there. Uh, He was saying you could go right up to the bitch and touch the fucking stones. Like they used to let you go wander in between the shit and everything. But, you know, damn kids in their fucking graffiti, um, they kind of said, all right, everybody's got to stay like um, a fair amount of maybe like 50 yards away from this place, you know. Um, But, you know, still cool. Nonetheless, there was like these ancient... Uh, not ancient, but like druid, like modern druids with like robes doing some type of hoo ha ritual. There, uh, pretty cool. Oh, hell yeah! <laughs> yeah, um, now also before we get into this episode, I gotta say, disclaimer up top, um, as always, uh, we are not actual historians, um, <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> When I say this is a history episode, I basically mean what I could comprehend and manage to fit into a single episode that makes a shred of sense or is entertaining for you the loyal legion listener um and I might have even gotten some stuff wrong, you know, also, I rounded out a lot of these dates, so don't fucking at me. You know if you are a historian listening instead email podcast from outer space at gmail.com or call the hotline and let us know what we got wrong. Uh because admittedly, like this is a subject I've tried to tackle a couple of times, but I could never quite get a good or like comprehensive episode out of it. So you know, there's just so many ways you could go with this, so much history, but I think I was able to finally crack the code of Stonehenge, maybe not Stonehenge itself, but an episode on Stonehenge. So, in this episode, we will take a brief look at the largely agreed upon history of Stonehenge before getting into some of the myths, mysteries, and of course, a bunch of theories surrounding the megalithic site. Um, now you guys got anything before we kick it off with the history?
1: Yeah, I was actually talking to my dad earlier. Uh, and I was mentioning that we we're you know, having an episode on Stonehenge, and he he said that uh, one of his friends got permission from the British government to allow my dad to go there by himself, so okay. he could get some dope uh, dope landscape photos of it. So oh, that's he's got tight. some cool ones, man. Yeah, that's yeah. cool.
0: That's very cool.
1: Because um, he didn't want people in the background, so oh, of course. it ended up being yeah. awesome.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Now, did he see anything strange? Any any aliens?
1: no <laughs> i definitely think he would have mentioned that to me He'd probably been like oh yeah, you know i saw an alien or two over there okay
0: well maybe that's a need to know basis you know and you don't need to know
2: could be probably <laughs> okay
0: um all right so let's jump into some basic history uh now stonehenge Obviously, prehistoric monument located on Salisbury Plain in Wiltshire, England. Uh, basically, and I wonder if that's where Salisbury Steak comes from, but that is basically, <laughs> that plane is basically- it's actually, 20- uh,
2: that's why they built Stonehenge, dude, so they could make Salisbury Steaks.
0: Yeah, maybe it was a meat- uh, <laughs> Meat packing plant like an yeah. ancient meat packing plant <laughs> that's where salisbury state comes from <laughs> basically so salisbury plant basically two and a half hours west of london um southwest a little bit of london uh you know it is in the middle of nowhere i will say like when we took the tour we took one of those like tour buses out there from london it's basically just nothing but farmland on the drive there um Now, I think most people are familiar with the basic story of Stonehenge, but if you aren't, essentially 5,000 give or so years ago, an ancient civilization, or I guess a more fair term would be group, because I don't even think like civilization as like, you know, what we think of today was even a a thing back then, 5,000 years ago.
2: Right? Okay.
1: Um, It was a Stone Age, it was basically like. Well, I think it was a little after cavemen, right?
0: It was a little after Stone Age, wasn't it? Bronze Age, I believe. Mm. Um, so okay, th- that makes sense. So basically, whatever this group of people will call it, they built Cult. a circle of massive rectangular stones in a field, and bada bing, Stonehenge, as it became known, would go on to be one of the most famous, one of the world's most recognizable and mysterious prehistoric monuments. Um, Now, as we said, Stonehenge has, of course, remained a subject of intrigue for thousands and thousands of years, mostly because scholars are not 100 percent certain who built it or why. I mean, like we said, yes, there are good theories, there are strong ideals, but... The short of it is whoever built it left no written records, and because it is so goddamn old, few clues remain as to why whoever built this thing bothered to drag these massive stones all the way to this specific spot. We'll get into this a bit more a little bit later, of course. Um, You know, like with the pyramids, which kind of around the same time, maybe like a thousand years or so after at least we get like hieroglyphics, we have papyrus, you know, we have like records of ancient Egypt, you know. With Stonehenge, we get none of that.
2: Egypt, Egyptians were just better record keepers, I think.
0: Maybe. Uh, you know, they now, were I mean, like,
2: we got to call in the goddamn guys from Stonehenge to help us build these goddamn pyramids.
0: <laughs> Maybe they did. <laughs> they called in the contractors <laughs> of Stonehenge. Like, Although hey, I g- don't think
2: Give me the Stonehenge guys, all right?
0: I don't think it was the Jews, uh, the Jewish slaves
2: that built Stonehenge. Well, yeah, but, you know, but there's an architect. But
0: we know that they built the pyramids, of course.
2: There's an architect, though. (laughs) Okay, so
0: maybe one specific architect. Now
2: (laughs) The architect's not out there, you know, building the damn buildings. Just has the idea.
0: Okay, so you think maybe this one gentleman had an idea? Or lady?
2: Possibly. All right. Well,
0: basically, in short, no one knows who the fuck built it, why the fuck they built it, how the fuck they built it, or what the fuck it was used for. So (laughs) that's what we got. Episode over.
1: (laughs) It's a wrap. (laughs) That's all. That's all, folks. That's all we know. I mean,
0: okay. So some of the leading theories are that it was a type of burial ground. Or like some type of primitive religious site involved in some like pagan rituals of the time, possibly also a calendar, uh, you know, and there is a good amount of evidence that points to these theories. Um, but as we'll find out, it's really anyone's guess, um, Now, as far as historians and scientists can tell with, like, carbon dating, which, again, I don't fully understand um, carbon dating. Do you guys have any reading on, like, how they carbon date stuff?
2: Mm, Um, Negative ghostwriter. I'm not Indiana Jones, so sorry. (laughs) Okay. Well, I don't even think he knows that shit. I mean, you know, he was around in
0: the 40s. They weren't carbon dating stuff. Um, But it's essentially, it is estimated with carbon dating, very scientific that we won't get into, um, that construction on the site began around 3100 BC, so a little over 5,000 years ago. And this construction continued in multiple phases until about 1600 B.C. So basically this site or this structure, whatever you want to call it, was being built for about 1500 years. So that's uh, a bit over a millennia,
2: right? Well, you know, it takes a long time to drag these big fucking stones from all over the country.
0: Yeah, and I think that is one of the craziest things to kind of wrap your head around is like just the pure ambition to dedicate to one place for uh, over a thousand years. I mean, that's older than the fucking that's that's many, many years older than the United States government. Many,
2: many years. Yeah. Way older. (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, so, you, you know, the- I, w- I will say, though, it's pretty badass that it's so old and it's still in, like, decent shape for how old it is.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's one of the fucking great mysteries of this place. Um, now, the if we get to the phases, like how this place is being built, and I have a picture. as like a reconstruction of, like, maybe what the site looked like. Um, so the first phase was just a big circular ditch dug into the ground, creating a sort of embankment. Think about like a giant moat around the perimeter. This is known as a henge, and these structures or these types of, I guess, like embankments are all around Europe. Uh, basically, big circular moat. Um, now, henges typically make up part of a ritual landscape or complex, and there's usually some type of Neolithic or Bronze Age monument inside or outside of the henge itself, usually stone
2: circles. These um trenches you're talking about connect to like the nearby river, correct? Or used to?
0: Uh now again, I didn't really go that route with my research. I wasn't trying to make this seem like an archaeological paper, but I believe (laughs) yes, there is some there is some type of connection to like springs or rivers or something like
2: that. I believe the river was the Avon River. Is like the closest one to it.
0: Yeah, that sounds right. I think I have that in one of my theories, but yes. Was there an expansion on that or
2: No, I just I thought it was interesting, you know, that the different theories going with it. I was just going to touch on it, like when we get to that part in the outline, but I just thought it was kind of cool that um, they took, I mean, obviously it took a hell of a lot of time to build the structure itself, but that it was also in connection with like the nearby river, which actually is, it's pretty fucking far from the river.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. That's kind of what I don't really fully understand about the river connection, but I do have some stuff on that a little bit later now. Now, at Stonehenge, there's also 56 holes around the inner part of the henge. These are known as Aubrey holes. Now, I know what you're thinking. Um, No, this is not named after Drake, uh, but these are named after their discoverer,
2: John Aubrey. They didn't do it for the dogs?
0: (laughs) Yeah. now, Now, these holes may have been used to bury remains, human remains, or for a timber circle. Uh, and these are, it's also speculated that these once held stones as well. Um, now the next phase involved the diving, the digging of these post holes. Now, if you look at that picture, that's the holes closer to where the the stone structure is today. Um, so a bit further inside of the hinge. Now, some believe these may have been for timber or bluestones. Um, now, then the phase is continued with the second part of phase three, which was from around 2600 B.C. to 2400 B.C., and this is the phase where the stones we see today were brought in. Now, these are uh, Saracen and blue stones, and the largest of the Saracen stones, which are the ones that make up the outer circle, weigh uh, over forty tons. Now I was looking up other shit that weighs forty tons, so that's like the size of a whale. Of like a standard whale.
2: What type of whale are we talking?
0: Uh I mean I would assume just maybe like a blue whale, you know, like a big the blue ass.
1: whales are the biggest, yo. Yeah, like they're a, like fifty feet, man. Blue stone, blue whale?
0: I mean forty tons, guys. Let's think about that. Forty ton stone. Now now these these whale stones <laughs> I guess they're not whale stones, these stones that weigh as much as a whale, uh, they were moved uh, from nearly 18 miles away. And then there's the smaller blue stones, which make up the inner circle, weighing anywhere up to five tons. So that's about the weight of an ambulance or a elephant. Um, so now these are estimated to have been moved from nearly 130 miles, possibly further away. And really, like, with, I guess, the mystery of Stonehenge, it's really the construction of Stonehenge, as far as I could tell, that seems to be the biggest mystery. Like, how did they get these stones moved from so far away? Um, There's a bunch of theories on this, and I think it's like, I don't think the wheel was being used for transportation yet. Like, I believe they had the pottery wheel for making... um, like bowls and and cups and shit like that. But I don't think the wheel was like widely used for transportation just quite yet. So, uh, you know, possibly they like move them along a waterway and then put them on these big greased tracks. Like they would have these big tracks that they would grease up with animal fat uh, to move them along or they would roll them on logs. Like I think that's also common with like the pyramid stones and shit. Um, although, you know, if you watch the ancient aliens episode, Sucolos says that what happens when you put a 40 ton rock on a log, it's going to crush it to smithereens. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know if the log theory holds up according to Sucolos, but I mean, if they had multiple logs, they could kind of like create a, a rolling type thing, you know? Right.
2: Well, yeah, you're not going to have it just rolling along on, like, two fucking logs. You're right, going to have to right, have a bunch. I mean, right. <laughs> <laughs> a 40-ton stone just being moved with two logs. And you've probably got to have All right, some boys. damn... One at the front, one at the back. Let's do this. All
1: right,
2: boys, here we go. <laughs> it just fucking <laughs> crushes it into the ground. Just 120 miles to go. Uh, yeah, so, I mean... <laughs> yeah, you can imagine
0: these guys, like... Fumbling around with these logs in the mud, and it's like, you know, uh, it's, <laughs> it's like, like a Three fucking, Stooges episode. Is that? is that the uh Barney Fife song, or what was it called? Uh, what is that song? <laughs> you know what I'm
2: talking about? Yeah, I don't know what it's from though.
0: Okay, well, yeah, so I imagine like something like that. It's like Three Stooges out here trying to get these fucking logs moved 130 miles. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it took them 1,500 years, so it makes sense. (laughs) They're just like, all right, boys, next 100 years, we're going to move it five feet.
2: Yeah, so this was like a- Next 100 years, we're going to move it another five. (laughs) (laughs) My grandson's taking over moving this stone for me. (laughs) Right, this is like a
0: generational (laughs) project, if we're we're really getting serious here. Um, Now, Stonehenge eventually fell out of use around 1,500 B.C., and there it has stood, idly by as a mystery to humanity ever since. Now, let's get into the whole like time period here. So you know, if we're going off the 3100 BC, that put Stonehenge construction somewhere in the Neolithic Bronze Age, like maybe the gap between that. Cause I, again, I think these ages, like the dates where they start and end, kind of very differently. Now, prior to the Bronze Age was Billy, as you were talking about, the Stone Age. And at the tail end of the Stone Age was what is known as the Neolithic Age. Now, this is where humanity. Saw the introduction of farming, domestication of animals. There was this shift from a hunter-gatherer lifestyle into settlements. Um, so during the time stonehenge was being built, there's there's this increased sense of unity among the Neolithic people of what is now Britain. Um, now, many believe the development of these types of like this type of um monumental architecture as well as, you know, reverence or, or veneration of the dead, may represent social and ideological changes that humanity was going through at the time. I mean, as we just said, you know, there this is a massive shift from hunter-gatherers to a more settled lifestyle, which allowed for new interpretations of time, ancestry, community, identity. Uh, you know, this is all taken place at this time. Now, because the purpose of Stonehenge is unclear, the significance of Stonehenge and exactly what it meant to these ancient people is also unknown. I mean, this is something that's just fully lost to history. Um, and, and, you know, there are, I, I would assume, thousands, hundreds, maybe thousands of these stone circles across Europe. Uh, but Stonehenge stands out as by far the best known and seems to be the most impressive depending on who you ask. I mean, I remember when we went, we also went to these other stone circles. Like there's this one that's like way more massive in terms of diameter, but it's just giant rocks shoved into the dirt in a giant circle. It's not like it's not like you have the, uh, what are they called? Like triathlon, the three structure. Like you don't have that type of engineering. It's just a massive rock. And then they make a big fucking circle. Uh, but, you know, you can go up and fucking touch them and shit, uh, which is cool. That is pretty cool. Um, now, you know, so like we said, Stonehenge, you know, why is this fucking so popular? There's there's equally fascinating sites in places like Turkey and Ethiopia, um, but these are definitely more obscure, at least to a majority of the population. You know, Stonehenge is, is fucking mainstream, man. You know, Stonehenge is the Beatles of these fucking... Stone Circles. Um, <laughs> now, a few of the other ones that come to mind, like Gobekli Tepe. Have you guys heard of that in Southeast Turkey? Mm-hmm.
2: Have heard of it.
0: Yeah, that's one of these like lesser-known ones. And, and this is a favorite amongst the ancient astronaut guys. I think it's mentioned in like every episode of Ancient Aliens. And th- this was like a 1,000-plus years before Stonehenge. Um, and then there's also, I was looking up, there's this... It's known as Amazon Stonehenge, um and it's like kind of I guess a similar structure built in the Amazon, which I think is also kind of crazy, especially because they really haven't done any type of like carbon dating or really like looked in to determine like how old this fucking thing was or who built this so Amazon Stonehenge maybe a future episode um and you know, I was looking a bit more into this because. I'm thinking lately, like why is Stonehenge became so popular? I mean, like I said, I went there, not that fucking big, you know, I'm sure the the pyramids or something is much more impressive um
2: now aside, I went there, not that big <laughs> yeah, i mean i'm not I'm not Wasn't trying that to, cool,
0: I'm not trying to shit on this thing, but you know aside from its its age and appearance um Stonehenge is probably so famous because it's in England. I mean, you gotta think this is a country that spread its culture all over the world. You know what the saying is like, the sun never sets on the British Empire, you know, colonialism. these guys fucking conquered uh like their kingdom goes so vast, you know so so of course, you gotta think like, yeah. That one of their old structures is going to be like world famous. Um, and then on top of that, you know, you think like similar to metal bands using like the Ouija board imagery or like Alistair Crowley imagery. Stonehenge is another one of those things that's kind of seeped into pop culture. Like, um, what, you know the movie This Is Spinal Tap when they have the little miniature Stonehenge come down? and they're like what the fuck like a, it's like a play on i guess black sabbath back in i think it was like 83 or something had a full scale stonehenge replica like on their stage and it was so massive that a lot of places they played on the U.S. tour, it wouldn't even fit inside the doors of like this the wherever they were playing.
2: <laughs> That's fucking badass. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. It's,
0: it's, <laughs> it's kind of sick. I was looking up like some footage to try to see like what this looked like. It just looked like three of the like Stonehenge structures behind the band. Pretty fucking badass. Super fucking metal.
1: Right. Pretty fucking were they metal? biting heads off bats?
0: No, but I think they had, like, um, you know the album Born Again? That's the little, like, red devil baby with the claws? Yes. Mm-hmm. I think so. Okay, yeah. apparently they had a midget or a little person um, dressed up like that that would, like, walk across the top. But one time he, like, fell, and so they'd, like, stopped using that. It's mean, <laughs> so, still pretty
2: cool, though. <laughs> I know, right? How high do you think they were thinking that
0: up? Well, the one guy, I can't remember who it was. I think it was the dude. I don't, I think he made a play bass or something. And he was also in Deep Purple and he joined the band and he was like obsessed with Stonehenge, which, you know, makes sense. I mean, think about like Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin was like obsessed with Crowley and like occult shit and Stonehenge coming from, like we said, England. This is. Uh, of course, was probably way more known to them, you know. So they're like, "Fuck yeah, this place. Nobody knows what the fucks up with it. It's Some occult pagan shit." Uh, I mean, those guys were super into fucking like pagan, pagan type shit,
2: you know. You sound like you're from London. Musicians
1: are weird.
0: <laughs> okay, so so let's like from an archaeological standpoint, you know, let's let's get into that kind of history here because. The first academic effort to study Stonehenge in order to try to understand what the fuck this was from a scientific perspective was made around 1640 by uh, the gentleman we mentioned earlier, John Aubrey, uh, pictured here on the right. Now, he contributed the first measured drawings of the site, which led to greater analysis of its form and significance. And from this work, he was able to demonstrate the astronomical or calendrical role in the stone's placement um because i guess it's like aligned perfectly with the summer and winter solstice which do you guys really like understand this because in in the ancient aliens episode it's saying like it's it's perfectly aligned to these stars like it's a fucking circle so of course like it's going to be aligned to something right
2: I think that um, if you look at the structure from, like, a certain standpoint, it's saying that, like, during the summer and winter solstice, there, like, when the sun rises, it comes up, like, perfectly in the middle of the arch, like, one of the archways, like, the center one, I believe, and I think that the... I think that those were when they were doing, like, certain celebrations, which is, like, the whole point of the structure, if you believe that. So I think that, like, lining it up so that the sun hit it at, like, a certain time of morning or whatever was, like, part of the, like, mysticism of it, I guess.
0: Yeah, I guess. I think that tracks because it's, like, um, I didn't understand this, so I was looking more into it. It's like in... uh you know in Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Raiders of the Lost Ark, when he's in the map room and he puts the like staff and the yeah. sun shines perfectly. I think mm-hmm. it's something like that. It's like they had this altar stone in the middle, and I guess on the winter and summer solstice, the sun would come perfectly through the uh the two sarsen stones and like shine perfectly on this point. Um and again, like does that really take an extreme amount of engineering? Like, couldn't they basically make a small model of sticks on the ground and then be like, okay, this is where we're going to place it? Like, you go on Reddit and shit and and type, like, what's the significance of Stonehenge? And so many people are like, it's perfectly placed to the summer solstice. This took an amazing amount of ingenuity. I don't think it w- it's that crazy of a thing. Like, you just figure out okay, the sun comes up on this day, and then that's where we put the fucking stones. Like, it's not that insane, is it?
2: I think maybe for the time period that it was erected in, it's pretty uh, pretty crazy that they were able to do that. But, I mean, like, obviously, in today's world, that wouldn't be that crazy to do.
0: Okay. Now, Suclos... But, you know,
2: you got to think, like, back in the day, you know, you're saying it, it took them... 1200 years or thereabout to build the damn thing. So just like the engineering behind that with what they were working with was probably like pretty labor intensive, you know?
0: Yeah. And I would assume that's more so just moving the stones, not necessarily aligning it right. Unless it's like (laughs) they had the stone in one place and then they're like, God damn damn it. Like it didn't align. <laughs>
2: like, God, they God got damn it. We got to move this whole thing 20 feet to the left.
1: And they have to wait a year. Dude, I'd, have wait a I'd year. be so mad if I was one of those dudes like my great, 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 great times. 20 grandfather started this. You know what I mean? Y'all said it was supposed to be here, but now we got to move it 20 feet over there.
0: Right. It's like uh, it's like the me- saying, measure twice, cut once, right? These guys, like, did it yeah. do that. And they're like, well, fuck it. We'll just get the fucking stone out of it. it doesn't Dude, I would it just alone. be
1: like, I'm out, yo. Like, y'all have fun with that. I'm going to go, like, raise some cattle or something. Y'all you know, <laughs> yeah. Do your thing.
0: Now, sukalos on the Ancient Aliens episode even says that, like, if you look at that earlier picture... About, like, what it's supposed to look like. He said that it's aligned to our solar system, like, to the T, where, like, the altar stone would be the sun, and then the outer circles and the timber circles are, like, the different planets. And he says this goes all the way to Pluto with accuracy. I don't know if that's true, right? Mm hmm. Accuracy. This really that seems like kind of a, uh, speculative thing right
1: i would assume I mean, I- so you need more like you need statistics you need like phys- like astrophysic physicists to be like <laughs> studying that crap okay. who is this dude uh, Sukolos? who's this dude
0: yeah Sukolos, dude he's the fucking guy with the crazy hair
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> dude, astronaut yeah, yeah, the Greek dude. Yeah. yeah.
0: You don't fucking question oh, circle, yeah. okay. dude. No, nope. yeah, he's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. He knows what he's talking about. Um All right. So I guess yeah, this guy, John Aubrey, kind of was the first to kind of, I guess, like pinpoint the whole like winter summer solstice thing. Now later in sixteen sixty six, um, Aubrey recorded the pits that now bear his name. The Aubrey Holes, like we mentioned earlier. Um, Now, he also declared that Stonehenge was the work of druids. Uh, We'll get a a bit more into this later. Now, this whole druid theory was further popularized by William Stuckley, uh, who we have pictured here, who looks kind of like Mozart.
2: (laughs) Right?
1: (laughs) Yo, these dudes look like they should be in Led Zeppelin or
0: something. (laughs) Right, right. Well, the first dude, the second dude, for sure, looks like Mozart. Um, which Mozart was crazy in himself. Do you, did you know that Mozart had a song called like "Lick My Ass"? Not
1: surprising. Hell
0: yeah, dude. he was kind of he was nuts. <laughs> yeah, he was crazy. Uh, but this guy Stuckley, um, he was also known as the father of British archaeology. Um, Now, he continued Aubrey's work into the 1720s, but he took up an interest in the surrounding monuments as well. Like we said, there's a bunch of these stone circles. Um, He also began the excavation of many of the barrows in the area, and he further pushed this whole idea that the place was associated with the Druids. Uh, Stuckley was fascinated with the Druids. He originally named Disc Barrows as Druids Barrows. Uh, which I think a barrow is just like a smaller henge, like that sort of circle embankment moat thing we were talking about earlier. Um, Now, after him, you got the architect John Wood. Uh, He became the first gentleman to take a truly accurate survey of Stonehenge in 1740, and his interpretation of the monument was that it was a place of pagan ritual. Um, Now, this caused some archaeological beef, we'll say, between Stuckley and Wood because Stuckley viewed the Druids not as pagans, but as biblical patriarchs. Stuckley was like a little bit obsessed with the Druids. Mm. Now, Now, of course, surveys and studies and archaeological digs at the site continued well into the 20th century, and they're still continued to this day. Uh, In 2013, a team of archaeologists led by Mike Pearson excavated more than 50,000 cremated bone fragments from 63 individuals buried at Stonehenge. Now, this is where it's kind of hilarious because these remains had originally been buried individually in each of the Aubrey holes around the henge. But in 1920, an excavation was conducted by William Hawley And he exhumed these from each of the Aubrey holes and considered them unimportant. So he reburied them all together in one hole in nineteen thirty-five. What? So (laughs) right, so that is kind of unreal. That's like the you know how we talked about on our pyramids episode, like the whole 1920s, like, think about the shit in Egypt that was going on. All the grave robbing and, like, people were buying, like, rich dudes were buying mummies and just being like, yes, I have this mummy as a souvenir and just, like, taking it from the site. <laughs> I feel like that's the same type of thing here. This guy just dug up these bones and was like, oh, yeah, it's unimportant. Let's just bury them in one hole.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Where did yeah. these come from? It uh, doesn't matter. Just put them all back in the same place.
0: Like, at hey, I found a uh, piece of a human skull here. Oh, yeah, it's not important. Like, what, is he lo- what does he think was important?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like, my whole goal is to study Stonehenge, but these bodies found completely irrelevant.
2: Like, what? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, didn't even, like, mark down where they came from. It was just like, ah, fill it back in.
0: Yeah, now he also noted that many of the cremated remains were found in leather bags, So this indicated that they were carried to Stonehenge from possibly far away. Um, I mean, at least he had the foresight to write that shit down or at least bury them in one hole. Like, imagine if this guy just, like, threw them away or gave them out as souvenirs or something. Yeah, dude,
1: he could have sold them. At least he didn't sell them.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess at least he he put them back kind of where he found them.
1: Just in one hole, though. I mean, come on, dude. If you're gonna ex- like exhume the bodies, at least put them back where they came from. <laughs> right. Out of respect
0: for the dead. I know, right? This guy just doesn't. Goddamn, Holly. Oh uh, no. Okay. So, despite this, I mean, he this Holly gentleman, he did identify a lot of stuff that was previously unknown at the site, and uh, I believe he was the first to come up with the whole three phase theory on the site's construction. Um, which was divided into the earthwork enclosure, which is the henge. Then the large stone circle, which is now vanished, uh, which supposedly stood in the Aubrey holes. And then finally, um, the larger megaliths involved in um, the final phase, which are the stones that are now world famous. Um, Now, this model or theory of multiple phase site, um, this didn't really jive with theories at the time and was largely ignored until this gentleman by the name of Richard Atkinson, uh, another British archaeologist, he sort of like picked this theory up and revamped it in the 1950s basically refined Hawley's theory and developed it a bit more and now this multi-phase interpretation is is basically fully accepted by archaeology today um i think this guy uh Richard Atkinson he basically helped like bring ideas and theories about Stonehenge to the mainstream adding to its popularity he went on this like BBC television program uh buried treasure in 1954 um so this guy could really be seen as kind of bringing the whole mystery of Stonehenge into the mainstream. All right. So now let's get into, <clears throat> and this is uh kind of, I guess one of the things I want to dive more into is the Druid connection because obviously like we said in modern times, scientists have been able to kind of carbon date a lot of the site, including some of the stones themselves, which indicates that, um, The building of the actual monument began around the year 3100 B.C. and ended around the year 1600 B.C. That is basically like proven without a doubt. So this essentially eliminates a lot of these older theories about who built Stonehenge. Most notably the once popular theory that the Druids were responsible for its construction. Now, do you guys know anything about the Druids or have you ever like kind of looked into any of that type of shit?
1: Um, back when I played World of Warcraft, <laughs> I played a druid, I think.
0: Okay, so that's more like a fantasy <laughs> depiction of a druid?
1: Yeah, you know, like they're like wizards or something like that kind of thing. Like old school wizards, right? Okay, yeah, Isn't yeah. Is kind of what they are?
0: Like, uh, kind of like Dungeons and Dragons interpretation of them.
1: Yeah.
2: Which, yeah, I guess is... I was thinking more along the lines of, like... A friar tuck type character.
0: No, 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 no. Friar Tuck. That's he's like a fucking um
2: uh, He's a friar, man. Yeah, Friar, dude. That's way later. That's yeah, like the same same shit, dude. No, it's dude. like a fucking friars Celtic are- <laughs> Celtic religious guy. <laughs> no, friars are fucking Catholic, aren't they? I don't know, dude. I'm not fucking into that shit.
0: Druid is but bef- this is A D, dog. Jesus ain't even been born yet.
2: I'm saying, though, it's still, like, a (laughs) fucking British or Irish fucking religious type dude that wears, like, a brown hood. Dude, aren't uh, friars, like,
0: from Spain?
2: Dude, dude no, I, I don't fucking know. Man. okay. <laughs> all, all
1: I know is that don't friars have those like 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 those bald spots shaved in the back, like the top, the crown of their head? Yeah, they look
0: like yeah, dude. Uh, It's like
2: the fucking Padres, dude. Yeah,
0: like Frank from yeah. Always Sunny. Um, all right, let's get into a little, a uh, all right, little history side note for you guys, <laughs> because basically a druid because I'm looking into this because I was fascinated by the kind of druid shit. I again, I was like you guys, I had no idea what this shit was. Um a druid was basically a member of the high-ranking priestly class in ancient Celtic cultures. Now, druids, these guys were like religious leaders, teachers, legal authorities, lore keepers, that type of shit. Maybe think similar to like a shaman in Native American culture. Um now druids Again, left no written accounts, although they are believed to have been literate, um, they were basically prevented by doctrine from recording their knowledge in written form. Um, So much of what we know about them comes from Julius Caesar's writings throughout his conquest of Gaul. Um, So if you have no idea about Celtic culture, which I did not, Think about it this way, because I always thought like, oh, Celts, you know, that's like Irish people, right?
2: Yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, I would say like Irish, Scottish, British, kind of like.
0: Yeah, well, well, not
2: quite. Ireland and the UK, mainly.
0: Well, because basically Celtic people are identified by their use of Celtic languages um, and, you know, other cultural similarities. Now, they were mostly concentrated in Gaul, uh, which was like present day, France, Belgium, Germany, Switzerland, that type of shit. Uh, you know, there's this little map here of like the yellow is where they were concentrated and where they spread out. Um, now, and really like, this is kind of similar to native Americans here in pre-colonial United States. Um, you know, while there were similarities in the culture as a whole, they're divided into these sort of like tribes or bands and and scattered all around. It's not like they had one central government or leadership, um, also similar to Native Americans. They didn't record anything in written form. You know, they had this strong belief in oral traditions, and their religion was, I guess, Celtic paganism. Um so this was polytheistic, strong connection to nature. Um Celts were also animist, so they believed that every part of the natural world had a spirit. So think like the Pocahontas song, you know, very similar. I'm surprised there's not a Disney rendition of the Celts. Probably be much more brutal. Uh
1: <laughs> actually brave. Oh, is that i uh, seen that.
0: Now, but is that more like Irish Irish Celtic?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's Irish Celtic, but it's okay. Celts, pretty sure.
0: But not like Gaul. Like, they're not fighting with the Romans. No. Okay, no. okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, so so Celtic religious ceremonies were overseen by priests known as Druids, um, who also carried out other roles, as we mentioned earlier. Now, some classes of Druids even performed sacrifices, perceived um for the perceived benefit of the community um there is evidence that the ancient celts sacrificed animals some offered wholly to the gods by burying or burning and then some were shared between the gods and humans so they would eat part of them and then offer up the other part now there is also evidence that ancient celts practiced human sacrifice super fucking metal um now these accounts of of Celtic human sacrifice come from Roman and Greek sources. As we said, Julius Caesar wrote that the uh, the Gauls burnt animal and human sacrifices in a large wickerwork figure known as a wicker man, just like the fucking movie. Hell of
2: a movie! Oh dude. yeah,
0: you guys seen this? This is fucking brutal, dude. This was like a real thing, I guess, according to Julius Caesar. Why is it burnt? Why is it burning? (laughs) Have you guys seen The Wicker Man with Nick Cage?
2: Yeah, dude. I saw that shit in theaters, bro.
0: Okay, I actually watched the remake not that long ago. People say that the Nick Cage version fucking sucks. I don't think it's that bad.
2: I thought it was better than the original because okay. I went back and watched the original after that one came out just to like see the differences, you know?
0: Right. I mean, it is kind of similar, but I, I, dude, I don't think like the new, I think the new version with Nick Cage gets a lot of fucking flack, but I don't think it's that bad. It's essentially fucking, um, what's that dude? Ari Aster essentially just remade it with, um, Midsommar. Midsummer. Yeah. That's essentially yeah. a remake of Wicker Man. Think about like that type of shit. Is like what these ancient Gauls were doing.
2: Um sound like assholes.
0: <laughs> well, they're just trying to get their crops to grow, dude. <laughs> yeah,
2: dude, they gotta bring oh. on a good season. Yeah. I guess. <laughs>
0: now most of the now most of the human victims were usually criminals. So you know, they were like, "Hey, you commit a crime. We're going to sacrifice you to help the crops grow." Now, now the druids who oversaw human sacrifices were said to foretell the future by watching the death throes of their victims. Now, again, that's super fucking metal.
1: Yeah, that is, that's dark, man. It's like the It's like the Colosseum, dude.
0: Right, right. But I guess, like, um, <clears throat> it is funny that you draw that similarity because. Historians kind of caution that the Greco-Roman accounts should be kind of taken with a grain of salt because, like we said, all the writings come from those accounts, but it also benefited them to make the Celts sound barbaric Um, because I guess the Romans basically wiped out like two-thirds of their entire population when they conquered Gaul. Listen to um, Dan Carlin's series on the Celtic Holocaust. Amazing episode on the Roman conquest of Gaul and how they just kind of like how it was essentially a genocide of the the Celtic culture. Uh, what do we
2: got? I was just going to say, I mean, obviously there's different different uh, variables at play here, but it's kind of similar to like the propaganda used here against Native Americans, like, oh, they're fucking savages. Right, it's like, right, yeah. It's like they didn't fully understand it, and they're trying to conquer more land for the Roman Empire. So, like, it's way easier to just be like, oh, these fucking, like, brutal, savage people burning sacrifices and shit. Like, we got to get rid of them than to be like, oh, you know, these guys aren't that bad. You know, they burn a couple people every now and then, but they're all right.
0: Yeah, I think it is <laughs> like... um
2: it is. It's okay that <laughs> it's okay that they're burning people alive, but we just make them fight to the death here, you know. Yeah, yeah. Totally we'll just
0: fine. feed them to uh, lions and alligators right. and watch it for sport. <laughs> it is kind of yeah, and, similar. And, and,
1: and hang people on nail people to crosses and just like you know watch them slowly die
2: for like twelve hours. Straight. <laughs> yeah, it parade is parade the streets with their head on a stake.
0: Yeah, I've been um I've been reading this book, uh, Empire of the Summer Moon. Have you guys ever read this? Oh, uh, pretty good it's badass. it's like about the comanches and it is very similar like when you look at like roman's conquest of gaul and then like like you were saying like the colonials coming over here and kind of staking their claim in the u.s it is very similar although i say i would say uh the roman conquest of gaul was a much more massive undertaking like I don't I mean, Native Americans, like I think the largest force that ever fought against the u s. in battle was a couple thousand, whereas like ancient Gaul, you had tens of thousands of people in these armies uh where they would even come and like wipe out some Roman cities and kind of go back and forth. But like we said, they I mean, well, the Romans did paint them as like barbaric, uncivilized, you know, they're living in like we said, these tribes, these bands kind of spread out very similar to native Americans, So yeah, it is kind of, I think that's where Carlin kind of paints the similarities, um, in his episode.
2: I I was just going to say though, like a major differentiating factor in that is that, you know, in the case of native Americans, you have European settlers coming and bringing all this disease that they weren't ready for. Right. And that Mm. is accountable for like quite a bit of the native American Genocide, if we want to call it that. And I think when you look at this, it's like, all right, if the Romans are like mainly in like Italy and they're conquering what's current day like France, Belgium, Spain, or Germany, it's like they're pretty like similar areas. So it's not, it's, I mean, obviously, like, yeah these motherfuckers were coming over here with guns and just wiping the Indians out, but it was probably a little bit more, um, like level playing field. If you're just coming from like Southern Europe to Northern Europe, you know what I mean? Like you're not crossing over the fucking Atlantic ocean and bringing with you all this like crazy smallpox and shit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think disease did play a big part, but Honestly, like you were saying, you were just saying like, oh, they came out and wiped them out with guns. Like in this, in the book I was reading, that's actually like really not the case, which I, I didn't even kind of like know that. Because if you look at like the expansion of like the frontier in Texas, like when they got to the Comanche territory, yeah, a lot of people hold the notion that like, oh yeah, we just came in with our guns, wiped them all out, exterminated them. That was actually, like, a century's struggle between, like, the frontier and the Comanches because the Comanches were super skilled at at mounted combat, which, like, none of the U.S. troops knew how to do, so they would just get fucking slaughtered by the Comanches because they were so good. Like, they could fucking get sideways on a horse, let off, like, ten arrows while you're loading a fucking musket with one shot on your feet. Hell yeah, dude. But- Yeah, it's fucking. It's pretty fucking brutal. It's a brutal book. Check it out. Um, But
2: yeah, I will say is that a a Rogan recommendation?
0: Um, I know he had the the author on, but I actually read a different book that the guy wrote on Stonewall Jackson, and um, okay, and then I was reading this one because I wanted to get into more like I don't know. I just got recently fascinated with uh, Native American type shit. Um, so I was kind of reading up on that, but yeah, a very similar, like we said, to the kind of Romans coming in and exterminating the, uh, the ancient Celts. Um, now the question remains, did the Druids as ancient mediators between humans and the gods build Stonehenge? Now the answer is no, they probably did not. Um, because you know, you had Stonehenge construction, Anywhere from four thousand to five thousand years ago. Now, the earliest surviving written record of the Druids dates back to about twenty four hundred years. Now, it's possible that uh, they may go back somewhat further, uh, but experts doubt that they were even around when Stonehenge was being built. Um, Now, there is these like uh, pictured here on the right; these like renditions of maybe what it would have looked like as some sort of pagan temple. Um, and also like the Druids probably didn't use the site for sacrifices, um, because they performed a majority of their rituals in the woods or mountains, usually near a stream or river better suited for these pagan earth rituals than an open field. Um, the Druids also apparently didn't worship the sun or solstice and none of the iron age ritual sites suggest activity or ritual. Um, Really, no Druidic evidence has ever been identified at Stonehenge, and instead, Stonehenge was likely used as a site for, like we said, calendrical rituals associated with the solstice, possibly death, rebirth, or large-scale community events. Now, this was something that was surprising to me because... Like I said, I visited Stonehenge. There's a group of modern Druids there. They're in robes. They're making a pilgrimage to this site. Stonehenge is basically like the Mecca for like modern Druids. They visit the site. They do these weird rituals on the solstices. Um, so why do modern Druids identify with Stonehenge if they had nothing to fucking do with the place? Well, apparently, I'm looking more into this, The Druids who exist today are pretty much entirely different from ancient Druids. Um, You know, ancient Druids disappeared about 1,200 years ago uh, during the Middle Ages, and a revival movement didn't occur until about 300 years ago. So the reason why Druids are associated with Stonehenge is that it was realized the monument was built by prehistoric British people. Now, in the 18th century, it was assumed that the Druids were responsible for it. Like we talked about, all these early guys looking at this thing from an archaeological standpoint just assumed it was the work of the Druids. And it wasn't until about the 1960s, with further advances in archaeology, that the public became aware that it had been built two and a half thousand years before Druids even pop up in ancient sources. Um. Now, furthermore, some of the people involved in this revival of Druidism uh, more than 300 years ago were also involved, like we said, in the study of Stonehenge. They wanted to make this an important place for worship with this, like, revived Druidism. Um, So guys like John Aubrey, especially William Stuckley, were central to this movement in the 17th century and saw Stonehenge... um, as a possible, like, main shrine or temple for this new movement.
1: I guess the the modern druids are just attaching themselves to this place because of these rumors from 300 years ago.
0: I think it's, yeah, it's kind of similar to maybe, like, um, some branches of Freemasonry. Or, like, you know how some of those guys will kind of just, like, find any path they can to connect themselves to, like, Knights Templar, that type of shit.
2: Kind of, right, right. Well,
0: kind of similar to that.
2: I was thinking along the lines of, I mean, and this is all speculation, you know, as we said, we're not historians by any means, but if you subscribe to the thought that um, Christmas in the holiday form was, you know, kind of created to do away with the pagan celebration that occurs around the winter solstice,
0: Absolutely. Instead of
2: going with like the uh, traditional birth of Christ, which was nowhere near December 25th, but usually the winter solstice occurs on the 21st of the month and or thereabouts, and then it's like a week-long celebration, which based on research, we can kind of acknowledge that Stonehenge was possibly used for that solstice celebration, which is basically just like an end of the year, like, bringing on good things for for the year to come and, you know, hoping that your crops survive the winter and everything.
0: Right, right. And
2: then, you know, then you have, like, oh, it was the Druids. So then all these people that haven't really done their research kind of, like, attach themselves to that idea. And then all of a sudden, oh, it's not a pagan thing anymore. It's a Druid thing.
0: Yeah, and then also, I mean, to further that, when, like, Catholicism, Christianity come in to kind of like convert everybody to that religion. It's a lot easier to do that when you just take their holiday and kind of adapt it to fit that model and say, cause yeah, party all party in the fucking week of the 20th and being like, yeah, we're getting drunk. We're celebrating good tidings. It's a lot harder to get people to subject to your religion when you don't have cool celebrations like that. So they kind of just like adapt to that, you know? Um, you know, you see that all over with like religions kind of coming and going and moving in and fucking, um, taking over the, the, uh, local populations.
2: Um, dude. tidings of comfort and joy.
0: (laughs) Right now let's look into the myth. Okay. Because if we look to folklore myth type shit, Um, Stonehenge does pop in, in some, uh, I guess we'll say Arthurian legends adjacent because I don't know if this is necessarily a straight up Arthurian legend, but it's in a similar realm. I mean, you'll see. So this story comes from Geoffrey of Monmouth's History of the Kings of Britain. Now this was written in Oxford in the 12th century and the tale goes, that Stonehenge was created by Merlin, the wizard of Arthurian legend. You guys familiar?
2: Oh yeah. That's your sweet ass, I am.
0: Okay, so he magically transported the massive stones from Ireland, where giants had assembled them. Now, the legend is basically that the Romans, so the Romans are out. They they move out of there, and then the Saxons come in. And the native Britons, they're kind of at war with the Saxons for a long time now. Many people are being murked off, and their respective leaders say, hey, let's meet up in this spot on Salisbury Plain. We'll eat some Salisbury steak, and we'll try to negotiate a <laughs> peace treaty.
2: Um, we'll have a couple steaks. We'll talk it over. <laughs> yeah,
0: I have some steaks, talk it over. So they agree to meet up unarmed. But of course, the Saxon chieftains smuggled in knives. Now, all the Britons and Saxons stand in a circle, alternating Britain-Saxon, Britain-Saxon, and they begin to uh, negotiate. So they're going back and forth. But at the signal, at the high signal, all the Saxon chieftains draw their knives, and he'd stab the Britons standing immediately to their left. Now, the Saxons... Brutal. Yeah, very fucking brutal. These fucking Saxon bitches, dude. They fucking, <laughs> <laughs> they fucking go back on the treaty. Now the Saxons end up kicking uh, the Britons' ass in the war until a British prince exiled in France, Aurelius Ambrosius. Aurelius Ambrosius.
1: badass. <laughs> What's you that? Sure that guy's not Roman.
0: Well, I, it says British Aurelius Ambrosius. <laughs> British friends exiled in France, Aurelius Ambrosius. So he returns to Britain with his brother, Uther Pendragon. Pendragon.
2: This guy sounds like they're some goddamn magician. <laughs>
0: yeah, Uther Pendragon. Um, now they end up winning some major victories against the Saxons. So in order to honor the British chiefs who'd been murdered on Salisbury Plain, Aurelius wants to build a monument in the exact spot where the atrocity had occurred. Now, he gets advice from Merlin, who tells him of this fabulous stone circle that had been built by giants known as the Giants Dance on a mountain in Ireland. So Aurelius is like, fuck it, dude. He sends Merlin and Uther Pendagron to, to go on a mission into Ireland and steal this exact monument. Uh, so obviously they fight with the Irish for a bit, eventually win, and now they're thinking, fuck, you know, how do we transport this huge stone circle? Uh, so apparently Merlin applied his esoteric knowledge in order to uproot the stones and transport them on ships and then re-erect the monument on Salisbury Plain at the very spot where the the Saxon chieftains had so treacherously slain the British leaders. Now, eventually, Aurelius Ambrosius died and was buried in the Giant's Dance, or Stonehenge, as it became known. And Uther uh, Pendragon was also buried there when he died, uh, and he was also the father... Of a one King Arthur. Mm. So, you know, that's how it kind of ties to the Arthurian legends there. Now, obviously, this is a myth, right? This is a pure story. This is a pure myth. This doesn't quite match up with archaeological knowledge that um, Stonehenge was built in Neolithic times.
2: But Sounds about as much as fact as we've heard so far.
0: (laughs) Well, well, well. There are some interesting elements that kind of seem to fit with some of the facts uh for one, it is proven as we talked about that Stonehenge was used as a burial ground so that's that's one thing that kind of lines up uh you know they talk about using it as a monument um and burying people there. Also, it is highly likely that the transportation of blue stones on some, t- occurred on some type of watercraft um, from what is now Pembrokeshire in Western Wales. Now, according to, I guess, historical record and sea communications between Ireland and West Wales throughout history, means that this Western extremity of Wales could have been colonized by people from Ireland and therefore might have co- been culturally regarded as part of Ireland at one point in time. Now, although legends paint Merlin as a magician, um, the esoteric skills he demonstrates in uprooting, transporting, and then erecting these large stones could be viewed as symbolic of engineering experience. Um, So, Maybe it was, maybe that's just what they called engineering at the time. This myth was around. It's like magic. Um, and
2: I don't understand what's going on here. So this is some goddamn magic. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Pretty much. Cause it's
0: like that. Uh, what is that? Arthur C. Clark quote. That's like any technology, any technology that's like, there's like a technology It's some about technology being undistinguishable from magic.
2: Yeah, I got you. You know what I'm I'm talking about? You've
0: heard the quote, right?
2: Yeah. I think we used it in a previous episode.
0: Okay, yeah. So check that out. Um, But, you know, possibly some truth in this myth. I mean, what are we thinking here?
1: First of all, transporting 40-ton stones
2: on a ship? Like, multiple 40-ton stones? Well, dude, it's over a period of... 1200 years, so right. maybe like one at a time, yeah,
1: right. But I would just think that it would sink the ship like immediately, but maybe not. Yeah, I mean, look at I a fucking
0: know. aircraft carrier, dude. They put fucking planes on that shit.
1: Well, I know, but Multiple. did they have that? Did they have that <laughs> type of technology, like,
2: <laughs> yeah, they're using a fucking aircraft carrier, it's a fucking <laughs> 5,000 like, like, years boats? ago. Like,
0: Noah's Ark, dude. Hello. Noah's Ark, he oh, put yeah. all the fucking animals on there, dude. That's he could have right. put Stonehenge on there. <laughs> they said, they called up Noah and said, yo, let me use the fucking Ark. We, we need the like Ark, that, brother. <laughs> we need the Ark. Yeah,
1: I think we we heard about this guy, Noah, built this Ark. Let's hit him up. You know? Yeah. Let's I get, mean, let's get him involved.
2: I mean, okay. I think that was a little bit after, after the fact as well, though. Yeah. Uh,. Mm-hmm. Do the timelines match?
0: Right, right. Well, yeah. Well, maybe with the myth, but not within actual, like, archaeology, I don't think, right? Was, okay, okay. This was thousands of years before the fucking Bible and shit. Um. Um. Okay, so I don't think, yeah, I don't think they had aircraft carriers back then. So, um, bro. I? Bro,
1: I was, I mean, who knows, man, Maybe I mean, Merlin I, just conjured an aircraft carrier using his magical abilities. I
0: mean, I don't think it's like they put this shit on a fucking rowboat, Billy. Like, I think <laughs> I, mean, like, I don't
1: know, though,
0: like maybe like old ass boats. They dude. had more like they had more bluestones, but they tried on a boat and it just immediately sank. And they're like, well, f- how the fuck are we going to get it now? John well, is one. <laughs> we'll just
1: need like 400 more years of engineering, ingenuity to, uh, to get these stones across. Let's
2: work on this boys. They had to fucking pull it out of the North Sea.
0: Right. Right.
2: Okay. So that's what took so long. All
0: right. So, so I guess tying in with the myth, let's get into some of these fucking theories. So, you know, as we've echoed this whole episode, there's, there's no written record that exists to explain Stonehenge. So, with no explanation, it can take on multiple theories as to the true meaning or significance. Pagan temple to the sun or moon. Astronomical calendar. City of the ancestral dead. Crystal healing center. Stone representations of the gods themselves, perhaps. And, of course, there's more paranormal New Age explanations. Alien landing pad. Portal to another dimension. I mean, you know, the theories are fucking endless on this place. Now, right up top, this kind of throws a bit of a uh, wrench, we'll say, into the historical gears. um, Because when most people, including myself, let me know if you guys are in the same boat. When most people see the monument, they assume that they're seeing what has always been there or this is the same thing that was standing some 5,000 years ago. And this is the story promoted in, in, by tour guides, the idea that what, what you see today has stood there for thousands of years. Um, but I guess that is somewhat false, we'll say, because most of Stonehenge has been moved at one point or another. Now, that's not to say this entire thing is a hoax. Um, But this was mostly the result of early attempts to preserve and restore the site, like reinforcing the stones with concrete, that type of shit, Uh, because over a millennia, the stones have fallen into the soft earth. Now, obviously, it's impossible to know whether they fell straight back, twisted slightly at an angle. I mean, who the fuck knows? At least a dozen of the stones were straightened and re-erected between 1900 and 1960. Now, the main reason why it was rebuilt was because a bad storm in December of 1900 knocked over some of the stones. Um, so what they did was, was put it back the way it was before the storm. And in the process, they straightened stones that were in danger of
2: eventually toppling over. Uh,
0: I think that must have
2: been a pretty fucking bad storm, dude. There's some big ass stone. Yeah, that's what
0: I was thinking too. Now Holly, the gentleman who thought the bones were unimportant, he also did some like reconstructive work in nineteen nineteen. Um so you know there's early depictions of Stonehenge, like the artist rent um this gentleman by the name John Constable did a painting in eighteen thirty five, which is here. Um
2: so looks hell cool. of an artist. What's that? hell of an artist
0: (laughs) yeah looks a bit different from what we see today right
1: that looks like some sci-fi shit
0: so you think it looks cooler with them kind of falling over and shit
1: kind of it looks like something like out of like dune or something
2: okay very cool we should make a t-shirt out of that dude
0: oh yeah i got i got stoned at stonehenge
2: there you go yeah let's do it
0: (laughs) so um, so basically, these restorations made an effort to give a sense of what Stonehenge might have been like thousands of years ago. But the fact is that no one really knows, I guess, what it originally looked like or was supposed to look like. Now, there's all these kind of pictures you can Google and that'll be our just Google it for this week is um, Google like Stonehenge Reconstruction and you can find all these pictures where they bring in like cranes and and trucks to kind of lift these stones up now now because of this restoration work at Stonehenge which i guess is not widely known like did you guys even know this a lot of people i guess seem to not even have known this
1: i did not know it
2: yeah i've seen i've seen some of these pictures before of them with like the cranes out there and stuff But I just assumed, like you said, like something fell over and they're just like propping it back up kind of thing. Okay.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess like some of these images surface and, you know, they got construction cranes, concrete. Now, this has spawned a fair amount of conspiracy theories, some of which go as far as saying that the monument dates back to less than a century and was created in 1954 in an effort to up tourism profits for an unknown, possibly nefarious reason. So, what are we thinking there?
2: I mean, if you're going off of what all these archaeological digs and research has gone back, like, all the way to the early 1900s, I mean, it's pretty obvious that that's kind of bullshit.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, I think the idea that Stonehenge was made in 1954 is kind of, like, hilarious uh, it's almost similar to, I guess, like moon landing or flat earth conspiracies. It's like, this is like the same group of people that doesn't believe atomic bombs exist, or maybe even as might be a stretch but like Holocaust deniers, like in their mind, everything is faked. And so the pictures of the restoration just kind of confirm Stonehenge as a whole is completely fake. Right.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I call I call bullshit on that. To to Rob's point, it's like, you know, we talked about the carbon dating. And like we said, at the top, we're not scientists, we're not historians. But I mean, that's really the only thing we can base, base, you know, things on a on a timeline on the on the history of, of humanity, right? It's like, um, carbon dating. So they carbon dated this thing's 5000 years old. Like, I kind of think that it's it was a little bit immoral for them to rebuild it. Okay. In my humble opinion, I, they, they should have just left the sleeping, like let the sleeping dog lie, like let history, you know, they should have just like left it the way it was. I think that would have been cooler. Like, yeah, it wouldn't have been the original structure, but it would have been like it wouldn't have been meddled with, you know?
0: Okay. Interesting take. Now, even, so you think even the stones that toppled in the storm, they should have just said, fuck it. And like, let them, let them stay. Or what do you think? You think it's just, it is, I think it is fucked up. And I was like looking into a lot of this, apparently a lot of like historical sites, which you think like, okay, I'm seeing something that was always here, looked like this. Apparently a lot of them are rebuilt, like Machu Picchu, I believe was like full ruin when it was found and they kind of like re-pieced all the stones together into what it looks like today.
1: Yeah, and you know that that's cool, but I think well, it's not cool. It's cool <laughs> from the perspective of like if it's, if they want to if cool. they want it. it's actually not cool. But it's it's only cool in my opinion if they actually knew like if they had the blueprints of these of these Monuments and, and structures, okay. and knew exactly how they were originally structured, and were able to replicate that without any type of error. Right. You know, but, but because other than that, it's like them trying to quote unquote preserve history. But really, in re, in actuality, in my opinion, it's just them trying to bolster their tourism.
0: Yeah, right. They're honey dicking us, dude. It's kind of like a prick Pretty tease. Much. They're saying, like, this is what it looked like, when really, we have no fucking idea what it looked like.
1: Yeah, dude, they should have just left it the way it was.
0: All right, all right. So a little bit of immorality going on, uh, according to Bill.
2: Mm-hmm. I was just going to play devil's advocate here and just say that it's kind of like a double-edged sword because while, yeah, it would be cool to just leave everything untouched, I think we're all like pretty aware that that's never going to fucking happen and True. i think that i think that it's just whoever is like backing the idea is probably under or at least i would like to believe is under the idea that restoring it kind of gives the public that is coming to see it that might not really have that much knowledge on it it's like giving them a better experience to like help restore it cuz it's like there's so many like Ryan just mentioned the pyramids. There's so many different, like, historical sites that have just, like, if not been restored, would just be in ruin now. It's, like, even, like, for so long at um, fucking Notre Dame, they didn't want to replace the roof on it, but it was, like, falling apart to the point where it's, like, hey, if we don't just go ahead and, like, rebuild this. And, I mean, they still used, like, wood and stuff like they would have used in the original building of the cathedral but it's like if you don't like take care of it it's just going to i mean and especially with the with that area how soft the ground is cuz i'm assuming from like these old depictions of it it's like a much larger like taller monument but it's probably kind of sunk in a decent amount over time so it's like if you just let it keep going eventually everything's just going to collapse and then those fucking 40-ton stones are just going to sink into the earth and you're going to have nothing.
0: Right. I mean, Notre Dame or Notre
2: Dame? It's uh, however you want to fucking pronounce it. Well, yeah.
0: I mean, when that burned, they should have just left it alone. I mean, when...
2: (laughs) No, but uh, I'm saying even... (laughs) I was saying even before the fire, like they replaced they replaced the roof on it once before.
0: Yeah, I mean, even but, with... like
2: a lot of people were against it because of the same thing you're saying. It's like, hey, this isn't the original blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, yeah, dude, if we don't replace it, it's going to be a fucking rotting piece of wood and no one's ever going to be able to experience like the full cathedral and it's like glory, you know?
0: Right, I mean, even with 9-11, they should have left the towers as rubble. <laughs>
2: In the middle of the show, Jesus Christ, dude! No, no oh, you guys, man.
0: you guys are on board with them rebuilding. The that wasn't of power? that <laughs> wasn't
2: natural,
1: dude. I mean, dude, yeah, that was a different. This is different, but no, I, <laughs> just, I,
2: I'm just fucking around.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, man. But no, I, I I hear your point, Rob. Like, you know, I I kind of feel the same. Like, a part of me feels the same way, where it's like. Yeah, if they didn't rebuild these things, and they would literally just be lost Crumble. to, like, the ether. But at the same time, at least be honest about it. You know what I'm saying? Because Ryan said that when he went there, they were like, oh, yeah, you know, this is exactly how they were standing 5,000 years ago. It's like, nah, you don't know that. You just rebuilt them because you wanted to, like, retain history or whatever, but also bolster your tourism. <laughs> but, yeah. like, you know, at least be, like, transparent about it. Don't Don't, like... Just leave that minor detail out that they like just completely took liberty with like restructuring the thing.
0: Yeah, we're giving all this fucking money is bolstering up the fucking crown, dude. The uh what's the guy, print uh king? Well, he's a king now, right? King of England. He's he's yeah. just rake he's just getting filthy rich off this fucking place. Oh, um, dude, it probably
2: costs like twenty <laughs> bucks to go see the shit. <laughs> no, I
0: think it's actually pretty expensive. Um all right. Now, now let's get into another, let's hop into another theory here. So this is like the whole like burial. So some believe that Stonehenge may have been a cemetery for the elite, uh, I guess like similar to the pyramids of Egypt, you know, um, according to a new study, uh, as we said, bone fragments were first exhumed from the Stonehenge site more than a century ago but archaeologists at the time viewed them with little significance and reburied them. Now, now, since then, uh, British researchers have re-exhumed more than 50,000 cremated bone fragments, representing 63 individuals. Uh, And a study of these fragments proved that the people buried at the site were men and women in equal proportions, also some children as well. Now, these burials occurred... Uh, in about 3000 BC, uh, and, and the very first stones were brought in from Wales at that time to uh, mark the graves. Now, archaeologists have also discovered a mace head and bowl, possibly used to burn incense, suggesting that the people buried in the graves may have been religious or political elite. Um, And this also kind of plays into, like, one of the theories we were talking about earlier with, like, the whole, I guess, more recent theories peg Stonehenge as, a as uh, we said, a site for ritual. It's a ritual landscape between a ritual landscape for, like, ceremonies between the living and the dead. Um, So it was possibly a meeting place to connect with the ancestral realm, Um, because in England... Stone was associated with the ancestors or the dead, and constructions in timber were associated with the living. Now, there's also remains of a wooden structure similar to Stonehenge discovered in the 1960s, known as the Durrington Walls, also right near a structure called Woodhenge, uh, both about two miles north of Stonehenge. These are estimated to also have had astronomical alignment On the morning of the winter solstice, the timber circle pointed to the rising sun, and at the end of the day, Stonehenge framed the setting sun. Archaeologists speculate that feasts and ceremonies occurred on astronomical alignment days, so on these days, days, crowds may have traveled along the river, uh, as there was an avenue linking it to a river, as Rob said, the River Avon, just like Stonehenge, so... This journey was symbolism for moving between the realm of the living at Durrington Walls and the realm of the dead at Stonehenge. Um, Now, some may have even cast the ashes of their dead ancestors into the sacred waters, and perhaps royal burials were held at Stonehenge during these seasonal feasts. So, I mean, what are we thinking there? Some type of pagan ritual whole fucking landscape thing?
1: Well, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of, like, ancient Egypt and the pyramids, you know? It's like the pyramids were built for a pharaoh. So, it was, like, royalty that was buried within the pyramid structures. But actually, surrounding the pyramid, they always find mass graves. And not all of them were nobles. Like, they were just common folk, like Egyptian citizens and stuff like that. Slaves. And also, yeah, slaves and, and, and whatnot. But they were those people were buried like around the perimeter of the pyramid, and also like the Egyptians, they used to bury the pharaohs with all these trinkets that they had in life that were important to them, like you know the cat statues and stuff like that. Because it basically, it in the Egyptian Sphinx religion that the their you know polytheistic religion, it helped them basically like when they reached the afterlife, they would they would use these. These items as a means to like, like, kind of be happy in the afterlife or something like that. So I don't know. It's I, I can totally see that as being a relevant thing. You know, maybe maybe they buried some nobles there. They had royalty buried there at Stonehenge, but also, you know, they would just bury the regular folk too.
0: Okay, so yeah, I think like also now I was thinking. Maybe this is like some fucking pet cemetery type place. You know how pet cemetery they have like the whole, like we said, similar to Native Americans, and it's all like bury them and they never come back the same. What's the fucking saying? Don't go down that road. Don't want to go down that yeah. road. <laughs> like uh,
1: you don't want to go down that road. Like, they just come back. They come back and they they're evil.
0: Yeah, maybe this was like a fucking bury the dead in these in these majestic blue stone fucking aubrey pits and where this is a way to like resurrect the dead so to speak
2: bury your dead dude?
0: yeah bury your fucking dead
2: um uh well, i was just going to say um <clears throat> one of the documentaries i was watching was kind of like detailing this theory a little bit more than the others it was saying that <clears throat> basically the part that's already like fallen into ruin that we no longer see today with what is there today was kind of like um, a lot of ways similar to the Coliseum in that it had really good acoustics, and that's why they created it that with like that round structure so it was kind of echoing and they said during the winter and summer solstice people would come from like all over like ireland wales scotland the uk in its entirety basically and they'd have like a huge celebration in the morning they're like saying their, like, prayers and songs and stuff to, like, bring on the new day and, like, the new season, basically. And then at night was more of, like, honoring the people that had died that year. And a lot of people would bring their ashes there to have them, like, either scattered or, like you said, there was, like, so many, like, bags of human remains that were buried there. So they think it was kind of, like a celebration of sorts where at the end of the year everyone and then in the summertime for the summer solstice everyone kind of comes there as like comes together as like the whole country has like this big celebration and if if you brought whoever had like passed on and it was like a tribute to them at the end of each night and everyone's like drinking roasting pigs like just basically like a big-ass party
0: Okay, or possibly Ooh. they bury them at the winter solstice. They come from all over. Summer solstice, the aliens come back, resurrect them. It's like fucking zombies, zombie apocalypse out there.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you want to think that, that's kind of <laughs> yeah. crazy. But now also, I think
0: one of the ancient astronaut type things I was looking into was actually kind of interesting. Like, think about Sto- Like, you look at Stonehenge now. Just these concrete stones, that's all that exists. 5,000 years. Think, like, how long that is. And like we said, maybe there was, like, timbers in it at one point. So what if it was some type of crazy fucking machine or some crazy massive structure and only the stones are, like, the skeletal remains that survived? Like, could it possibly have been some crazy, like, organic machine type thing? Because obviously, like, wood is going to decay. Uh, yeah, and the stone is mm-hmm. all that's fucking there. Like this could have been some insane fucking place, right? Could have been. Okay. Okay. Now, now another theory suggests that people of this time may have seen Stonehenge as a place with healing properties. So in two 2000- thousand,
2: know, I didn't. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I didn't look into it. But I believe, and I could be wrong here, but. I believe that it does fall pretty close to a ley line.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of goes off this whole, uh, crystal new age type bullshit. Um, so in 2008, bullshit, archaeologists, uh, Wayne Wainwright and Timothy Darville, um, they reported that a large number of skeletons recovered from around Stonehenge showed, showed signs of illness or injury. Um, And I guess like some of the bones are estimated to be from very far away, indicating that they traveled in order to get to Stonehenge. Um, So the archaeologists also reported discovering fragments of Stonehenge blue stones, um, which were the the first stones erected at the site, that had been chipped away by ancient people uh perhaps to use as talismans or for protective healing purposes i think this was also common in like the victorian era people would go like visit the site as a tourist place and could just like chip away a piece of the stone and take it as a souvenir that was like a common thing
2: um was this the fucking berlin wall yeah right and i think this is like uh
0: This is like goes off the whole like crystal theory. Like there's a ton of new age type theories where the stones themselves, specifically the blue stones of the inner circle and the altar stone have some type or like some type of specific mixture of stones and crystals in them. Perhaps this was used for healing properties by these ancient people. And, you know, this is kind of interesting to think about now, Rob. I know you're the, the crystal guy here. You're into all the fucking crystal healing and type shit. Um, but it is interesting because the blue stones, like we said, they're carried from much further away. So there had to be some reason for this. Like, why not just make the whole thing out of the sarsen stones? Why bother to bring in the blue stones from so much further away to use as that inner
2: circle? You know? They had to steal them from the Giants, dude, in Ireland.
0: Well, I think that was, uh, so you think, so you're still going off the Giant theory. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But I I mean,
2: mean, yeah, I I think that obviously these people did have um, some type of belief or purpose for using these specific type of stones, because it's like, you could probably get any other type of stone in that area and build it out of that. But there is obviously, you
0: think they're into crystals?
2: Yeah, I think, I think I would say so.
0: Okay. So they're into crystals. They're, they're gathered in this field. Everybody gets inside. They, they play a flute like Andre 3000
2: and I think there was too many people for him to go inside. I think it was only really like the higher, the hierarchy, like the leaders were kind of inside and everyone else is kind of gathered around it, you know, like the who's down in Whoville.
0: Okay. And they're singing Dahu Dore. I think if we're going off, if we're going off the whole healing thing, maybe so you come, you, you're all fucked up. You know, you got leprosy, whatever types of ailments they had back then they put you on the altar stone and start doing this acoustic healing ritual and then you're fucking healed and maybe if you die they bury you there
2: right possibly yeah okay i see that happening or
1: or this wasn't a healing place and the reason why they're finding all these bones with injuries is because it was actually a place of execution
2: well i think that If we want to go off the theory that everyone kind of gathered here for the summer and winter solstice and brought their dead to be, like, recognized, then maybe, you know, they died from some illness or got shot or whatever it was. And that's how they died. And then they... Well, they were saying that there was, like, a skeleton that they found that had, like an arrow mark that had like pierced their stern the skeleton's oh, okay, sternum. Okay, yeah. So they were like, Oh, this is the only one we found like this, but it's like you don't think that like some guy could have gotten in a fight or whatever, or like got ambushed and then his family brought him there to have like pay tribute, you know? Or I mean, like that's just a theory.
0: Or like Billy said, you ever hear of a ritual killing? <laughs> Dude, they were they yeah, were but,
2: brutal back in the day, bro. Yeah, this but is, I, this is like I think I think that if they're going to the extent to, like, sacrifice someone and burn the body, they're probably not, like, paying enough tribute to, like, bury the person's body there. They're probably just like, all right, let's get rid of this fucking guy.
0: Well, no, if it's a fertility cult, maybe they take their all their deformed people, they bring oh them there, God. and they say, all right, we're killing you so that our crops get stronger.
2: Right. Yeah, but it was- it's been used for thousands of years, and there's not that many bodies there.
0: All right. All
2: right. Did they
1: okay. say fifty thousand bone fragments though?
2: Yeah, but they are yeah, coming from 63, sixty-three people. P- people yeah. Oh,
1: sixty-three. Yeah, that, that's not. That's not very many. I would assume that if it was a place of execution, it'd probably be. There'd probably be way more
0: bodies. All right. Okay. All right. So. Now, sort of playing off the crystal theory, perhaps, as Rob was alluding to earlier, Stonehenge's circular construction and specific stone types used were to mimic a sound illusion. Now, there's this theory um, from Stephen Waller, who is a researcher in archaeoacoustics. I mean, hell of a career path. Now, he says that if two pipers... Were to play their instruments in a field, a listener would notice a strange effect. In certain spots, the sound waves from the dual pipes would cancel each other out, creating a quiet spot. Now, the stones of Stonehenge create a similar effect, except with stones blocking the sound rather than competing sound waves. Um, Now, legends associated with Stonehenge also reference pipers. Uh, Waller also said that prehistoric circles are traditionally known as piper stones. Um, Now, Waller's theory is speculative at best, um, but other researchers have confirmed that Stonehenge has amazing acoustics. A study released in May of 2012 found that the circle would have caused sound reverberations similar to those in a modern day cathedral or concert hall. Um, so, you know, another sound type theory is that, um, Stonehenge is a sound resonator. Um, so when a sound is played at the right frequency at the right place, it could have possibly some type of effect, maybe a healing effect. Isn't that something that like Kanye is big into like sound healing or some bullshit? Sound
2: healing. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it uh, it supposedly works, man. Okay. Chills you out.
0: Or maybe like we talked about on Mount Shasta or a pyramids episode portal to another dimension portal to another dimension or alien base. Uh, like this Ooh. is like, uh, <laughs> we talked about on our pyramids Giza death star theory
2: episode number
0: 19. Uh, you know, that's possibly like, there could be some pieces of Stonehenge lost to history, like maybe some type of crazy crystals or some sound bowls where you create some type of vibrational frequencies allowing these ancient people to reach another realm or some some crazy sound frequency type shit like that. What are we thinking there?
2: I mean, maybe like you alluded to earlier, they were just having a big ass fucking music festival back in the day, just fucking jamming on some bagpipes in there
0: big-ass drum circle
2: yeah yeah badass to see dude big-ass drum throw circle. throw a little bit of
1: ayahuasca
0: in there you know yeah maybe see what s- happens sacrifice the weakest person of the tribe
2: Jeez.
1: <laughs> yeah i mean I'll, bro i'm gonna i'm gonna petition the uk government to see if i can record my next album there
2: dude
0: now that would be fucking awesome dude that's like some Black Sabbath. Shoot, I would be so dumb. It
2: sounds like your dad has some connects, so... Wait, what? I said it sounds like your dad has some connects, so maybe you could link that up, dude.
1: Bro, that'd be epic, man. Like, this album was recorded in Stonehead Studios.
0: On the winter solstice.
1: On the winter solstice.
0: Um, okay, all right. Now, now, continuing on, we also got the... Uh, I what? I guess like solar observatory, celestial observatory. I mean, as we said, you know, many agree with the idea that Stonehenge was constructed with the sun in mind. Um, some archeological evidence reveals that pigs were slaughtered at Stonehenge in December and January, suggesting possible celebrations or rituals at the monument around the winter solstice. Um, the site also faces the summer solstice sunrise and both summer and winter solstices are celebrated there today. Um, so, again, you know, this is more along, this is more along the lines of um, the popular theory that Stonehenge is some type of, like, high-tech calendar, uh, you know, to know when to plant crops or perform fertility rituals or perhaps know when the aliens were swinging by to build more shit or share some knowledge with them. You know, they had to keep track of this stuff.
1: Yeah, maybe it was an alien landing pad.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Again. (laughs) Now, okay. I know that that sounds crazy. You know, we say that as a joke. Um, But apparently, Wiltshire County, which is famous for ham, white horses and being the county where Stonehenge lies, is also allegedly a UFO, a hotspot for UFO activity. Uh, you know there 's a bunch of cases going back to the 60s about strange sightings, lights in the sky, all the classic UFO tropes that we 've discussed on many previous episodes, uh, including the Warminster thing, which uh, is a decades long mystery and a string of UFO sightings from the small town of Warminster, which is only about twenty five minutes west of of stonehenge uh, now. I was looking into this. We definitely need to do a full episode on the Warminster thing. Um so I have already started putting that together. Um now one of the more interesting bits I was looking at if you look at this picture to the right is the 1996 Stonehenge crop circle. Um so that is Stonehenge right there divided by the highway and then we see the crop circle there. Now crop circles or um also known as agricultural graffiti.
2: I like that term.
0: Great term. Yeah, it's a good term. Uh, now, they have been reported in England since the 1970s. Now, I think we talked about this on our Tully UFO Nest episode, but, you know, a lot of these have been exposed as hoaxes. Um, but, you know, some are pretty interesting, including. Um, like we said, this one appearing at Stonehenge in 1996. Now, the fractal pattern that appeared is known as a Julia set, and allegedly, this crop circle appeared in just one hour, in broad daylight—a uh, seemingly impossible feat for a, a mere prankster to accomplish. Uh, now, let me get in. Let's get into the tale of this here um, to round out our theories. So. It's basically late afternoon. Um, It's a Saturday, July 7th, 1996, to be exact. Now, this this farmer's field is, is like a stone's throw away from Stonehenge. Major tourist attraction. Um, Now, there's a major highway, A303, which separates the field from Stonehenge. Lots of people going back and forth on this thing. Also, security guards are present at Stonehenge 24-7, like we said, kids in their goddamn graffiti. They don't want anyone fucking with the stones. Um, So... Usually, also, there's a lot of aerial traffic, too. You know, private planes operating out of a nearby airport, giving tourists an aerial view of Stonehenge. Now, there's this one pilot who allegedly takes off out of Exeter, passing over Stonehenge late Sunday afternoon. Now, he glances down, sees nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. Now, that same pilot, he's coming back just 45 minutes later, And he sees this massive centipede geomic structure known as the Julia set fractal pattern, uh, which comprises 149 individual circles ranging from 50 feet to 14 inches in diameter, spanning 915 feet in length tip to tail and 500 feet in width in this farmer's field. Now, this is well within the view of, of, of passing people on the highway and Stonehenge security guards and even tourists. Now, I guess nobody really like, reported seeing anything. Um, so it's suggested that in broad daylight, this entire Juliuset complex was constructed in less than 45 minutes. Um, now less than a decade later, a bunch of people come forward claiming to have seen like weird stuff or strange mist at the time. Um, now there's no telling whether these people are telling the truth or not. Maybe they're just trying to fucking put themselves into the story. Um, but I guess the, the main question is like, if it was the, the, If a bunch of hoaxers or pranksters did this thing, how the fuck did they do it? Now, one person did come forward and claim that he'd created this in under three hours early that Sunday morning with two other people while it was still dark. Um, But none of the security guards present at Stonehenge uh, reported anything. Um, So, again, apparently this thing just went unnoticed for like 12 hours. In this fucking field, which is not that crazy from the ground. And maybe this pilot just missed it, but I guess there's still just like a lot of unknowns with this. I mean, I would kind of assume that if this guy did come forward and say he did it, maybe it was truly a prank and this pilot just didn't notice it on his first flight. But I mean... What are you guys thinking here? What about the alien landing pad? I mean, this is kind of crazy, so maybe that theory holds a little more weight than we think. I mean, aliens possibly, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, look, we know that stuff's flying around our our skies. I mean, our listeners, you know, we've been talking about this all summer. You know, we still don't have answers for that. I do know that a lot of these crop circles have been proven fake, and it is a little concerning that this guy came out saying it was him, but he also could just be trying to take credit for it, to be fair. yeah. Um, I don't know, man. It's uh, one of those things where, you know, we we still can't explain what's flying around in our skies. Even to this day, our government is trying to get on top of it, quote-unquote, but that's not happening. (laughs) Um, Yeah, dude. I mean, it's... um it's perplexing. I'm not going to say that I completely believe it, but who knows?
2: I think it's an interesting theory, but I mean, you got a guy saying that him and his friends did it as a joke. And then I think with just all the the research and data that we have that does show that it was set up for to align with the solstices and has been used to kind of celebrate those two events i think i'm just gonna stick with that original theory that it was maybe like a ancient pagan ritual site
0: okay so you're thinking pagan temple theory that holds the most weight okay i like the theory my favorite one is the whole like ancient machine type shit and then the Stonehenge is the only struck, like, we only see the stones because that's the only thing that survived. Maybe the whole, there was this crazy wooden structure around all of it. I like to think that could be some crazy type fucking uh, portal shit or something crazy like that. Um, I think it's awesome to speculate what it could have looked like. Um, Billy, I mean, what, what theory are you thinking holds the most weight or what do you what do you think Stonehenge was for?
1: I do agree with Rob. Like, I think that this is probably some type of like pagan ritual site for, you know, the summer solstice, winter solstice, like, you know, an area for people to kind of get together and celebrate like the end of the year or, you know, just, uh but I, I kind of, I kind of want to deviate more towards like a graveyard or some type of you know kind of like a ritualistic uh, burial site or something like that cuz when you look at like the ancient many ancient civilizations like the mayans the aztecs the egyptians like you know the Ro- like they, the romans they they all had these you know just very important ritualistic burial sites you know that's what the pyramids are that's you know that's what a lot of these ancient civilizations did so, I don't, th- I mean, I think that's probably more,
0: Likely. Prob-
1: like, probable, I guess. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, like we said, Neolithic age, we were starting to do, like, reverence for the dead, burying the dead, that respect for the dead, that type of shit. Um, So, I think that makes sense, you know. Um Now, to kind of round this one out, you know, admittedly, the uh, the conclusion for today's episode is a bit lackluster than normal. I'll say, you know, for all the reasons we discussed earlier, there's just so much that we do not know about Stonehenge. Now, the theories are definitely fun to discuss, and there is a ton that we didn't even mention. And without a doubt, new ones are going to continue to pop up as time goes as time goes on. And hopefully New discoveries are made at the site itself. Now, the fact that Stonehenge is still around after 5000 plus years is amazing in itself, even if it may not look at all like it once did all those thousands of years ago. um, This is a site that has seen the very rise of human civilization. Entire populations wiped out. Whole empires come and go. Monarchies rise and fall. Um, So it is pretty crazy to imagine all the things that this site could have been used for when it, um, in the time that it was built. Uh, You know, I try to imagine what it may have looked like back then. You know, place yourself in a prehistoric British field, looking at this massive structure and, you know, just try to think what the hell was going on, you know? Um, I, and I also like Stonehenge is just so old that I think people really can't even wrap their heads around it. You know, like we said, the U.S. government isn't even 300 years old. Uh, so try to imagine 5000 years. I mean, that's older than the U.S. government, Germany and the Colosseum combined by a, a long shot.
1: And the Egyptians,
0: right? I think it was. Well, if we go off that timeline. Like when they started bringing the stone, it started with the Henge, which was about a thousand years before the pyramids. But when they brought in the stones, was probably around the same time the pyramids were being built.
1: Got it. Well, what's crazy to think too? I just thought of this, but I figured I'd bring it up. Like, you know, when we when we were talking about like the episode on um on the Ark, uh, like the Ark, uh. Moses and all that, you know, like the sacred ark and stuff like Uh back in biblical times, back, back in these days, like people didn't write things down. It wasn't a common thing. It was spoken word. People told stories and these stories translated over thousands and thousands of years, even to the present day. So like, you know, the, these ancient civilizations, like they, they they're obviously talking about all these things. Like the Egyptians were probably talking about their pyramids all these people were talking about all these like different, you know, ritualistic uh, behaviors and whatnot. And it's like, you know, just because you're on the other side of the world, like, who's to think, who's to say that like world word couldn't get around and people, you know, didn't hear of these things happening in other places in the world and get inspiration and kind of follow suit. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like even if we go off the theory that it was some ritual, uh, ceremonial place like twice a year. Um, how did they even get word out around that? Like, it's not like they're sending a fucking Facebook invite. Hey, come meet up at Salisbury Plain, you know? Like, it's just well, fucking word of mouth.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is word of mouth, but I think, like, word back then traveled even further, you know? It was almost like the that's all they form had. of social media because it was all, right. all they had. Okay, So it was just a bunch of people, like, talking about their... You know their discoveries or their you know innovations, and then all of a sudden people are you know talking about it in Egypt, and these people move to another part of Europe, and they talk about it to those people, and those people move to another part of Europe. Somehow it makes it all the way to England, or something, or yeah. vice versa. Yeah, you know maybe I mean? this
0: this could have just been something as simple as like the equivalent of like an ancient Instagramable site. Like right, hey, come dude. here and we'll just like pose out front of Stonehenge, looks like I'm badass. <laughs>
1: Yeah, because well, I mean, think uh, about it. Like, in, w- with human nature in general, like we we are all prone to just like imitate people. You know, it's like when we see people that are cool, we want to imitate them, or we want to we just copy people. So it's like, I don't that I don't think that behavior has changed. Like, that's just human nature, in my opinion.
2: I was just gonna say, like the sheer amount of time and consideration put into it. Like, you got to think at least all of the UK probably had an idea of the site and, like, what was going on at what time there. And if everyone's, for the most part, is on that wave of, like, summer solstice, winter solstice is a time of celebration, and, you know, their ancestors have been building this thing for a millennia, then by the time it was fully completed, everyone probably knew like hey this is like the spot that we go to celebrate at you know
0: okay okay it's like uh it's like Times Square on New Year's
2: yeah exactly yeah it's like Times Square and
1: Instagram but (laughs) 5,000 years ago
0: okay yeah yeah and and, I mean I think it is like also you know you kind of look at the structure and you kind of compare that to like modern day cathedrals You know, and it is it does seem like it's like some type of place of worship or some like some place with like a ceremonial importance, you know, and just being around there. Yeah,
1: I think we could all agree that this is a place of like extreme importance culturally, religiously, whatever the case was for the for, you know, these people. Uh, Yeah. yeah.
0: And yeah, you know, like Rob was saying, you know, just given the time and effort involved Uh, as well as the scale of ambition it took to build this thing for over a millennia, uh, you know, we can be pretty confident in thinking that Stonehenge was one of the most significant places in late Neolithic Europe. Now, I would assume that, yes, chances are it probably was some type of, like, fertility ritual site, or, you know, like a cult of the dead type place where they... Like in midsummer, they pick a May Queen and then they burn people alive so that crops would grow. Uh, you know, but it is it is fun to imagine other shit too, like you know, hanging out with aliens or maybe even some type of like ancient sex cult temple, or maybe this was like <laughs> uh, this was like Ep- Epstein's Island back in the day. They're like, uh, it's like some weird pedophile cult, you know. Jesus. <laughs> <We> <laughs> know, back we then, like not. it
1: was normal to like be pet- like for pedophiles. I mean, they didn't even call them pedophiles back then. You know what I well,
0: mean? Well, okay, Bill, come on. I was joking. We're not gonna normalize. <laughs> we're not gonna normalize. I mean, look, uh,
1: I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to normalize it. I'm just saying back I'm t- a couple hundred years ago, dude. You know, like dudes were marrying like 14 year old girls and stuff that were like. Yeah, 40. Pocahontas,
2: dude, back to Pocahontas. Yeah, fourteen exactly. years old, dude. It's
1: just it's just a rea- it's a realistic part of history.
0: Yeah, you know, different time, you know. Um, right. Okay, so yeah, I mean, like, what closing out closing remarks? I mean, I think we all kind of beat off the dead horse here, and we all kind of said what we think it is. But I mean, we got anything else before we kind of close this one out? I mean, I do, I do. I've been enjoying this research and kind of, you know, imagining myself in this ancient uh, field in the British Isles, just wondering what the fuck these people could have been up to.
2: I mean, I really like to think of the idea that everyone in that part of Europe was making a fucking trip out there for winter and summer solstice each year and just having a big-ass fucking barbecue and a party and just, you know. Fucking hanging out, enjoying each other's company, uh, celebrating the life of a new year and like people that passed away in that previous year. And obviously, you know, they took a hell of a lot of time and effort to make a place for this all to happen.
0: Yeah, Merlin the Wizard, dude, guy through legendary barbecues.
2: <laughs> you know. Call him the pitmaster.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wizards yeah, yeah. never die, dude.
2: <laughs> yeah. Just like bam
0: (laughs) roast
1: pigs everywhere turn turning water into wine hearing some fucking pipers
0: playing dude oh yeah they got andre 3000 out there with the flute music um all right i mean yeah there we have it guys stonehenge you know little uh this was a fun one you know let us know what you guys think uh, you know, podcast from outer space at gmail.com or call the hotline. Let us know if you have any thoughts on, uh, the old Stonehenge there. Uh, now on this one, I want to cite live science.com for did the Druids build Stonehenge by Owen Jarus, uh, seeker.com Stonehenge colon myths and conspiracies by Ben Radford blog. Merlin and the Making of Stonehenge by Anthony Nason and scientificexplorationorg slash form for crop circles, colon the Julia set near Stonehenge,
2: colon July, 1996 by John Preitz. Um, and on that one, loyal Legion, as always, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, would love to hear your feedback. Um, as Ryan previously mentioned, podcastfromouterspace.com. dot com, or if you want a direct email, it's podcastfromouterspace at gmail dot com, or feel free to text or dial 619-866-6432 and let us know what you think. Let us know some, you know, maybe what you want to hear next. Uh, we're open to any and all feedback, and. You know, podcast from outer space.com. We just had some fresh teas hit the market. So, you know, just piggybacking off of our Halloween special and our Ouija episode, we got some uh, pretty cool new merch to check out.
0: Yeah, check that stuff out. Um, and really, you know, podcast from outer space.com. Grab one of the new t shirts. It's one of the most direct ways you can kind of help support the show. You know, check us out. Um, and yeah. That's the best way to support the show, besides five-star reviews.
1: Absolutely. And thank you all, Loyal Legion, for the listens. Um, If you like what you're hearing, share it with a friend. Um, You know, we uh, anyone that's into the weird unknowns and the the cryptics and the paranormal and the aliens. And, you know, I'm kind of stoked to get more into the history side of stuff, though. Because I know that, you know, a lot of you guys out there, you're into the history pods and whatnot. So we'll definitely be trying to incorporate more and more of that type of content in future episodes. But, you know, thanks so much again for the listens, guys. Pick up a T-shirt. Um, and yeah, we will uh, we will be talking to you soon. Peace out, y'all. Boom. And I be gone and I be gone and I be gone And we go slow this not all day long I know they hate it cause they smell my straw And I'm a stoner, I'm a stoner, I'm a stoner And I be gone and I be gone and I be gone And I'm a stoner, I'm a stoner, I'm a stoner
2: Stoner, stoner, stolen Young Mother Nation, Tiananmen would some
1: somebody with you, say.